jumping into something pretty pretty um heavy today huh well yeah, you know what's interesting is if if you're gonna lose somebody in reading the bible through the year <laughs> it's probably in exodus 30 this section this week right here which we're coming covering through uh exodus 37 all the way through leviticus Mm -hmm. And um, Leviticus 14, is it? If I remember right, Leviticus 14, you're probably going to lose them there because there's a lot of repetition. Mm -hmm. um, it talk, it's talking about a lot of things that um, we wouldn't normally necessarily even you hear preached about or talked about. Yeah. It's, it seems uh, a system of the past. And so why would I need to be familiar with the system of the past? And... And yet I think it's a mistake to discount it. It is it is important to go over it to one, for a couple of reasons, and we'll see why that is. I think one of the biggest things people miss, and at least one of the things I've noticed in, when we're going through all of these um, systems, processes, um, and if you're a system or process person, you love this. I mean, you geek out on on uh, why why a goat why not a bull why what's the difference between all the offerings and i mean that's that's down your alley if you're not you want to understand what this is about it's important to understand that this is a a national this is what a nation under god in in a system would look like without christ um from set that so these were the laws of the land god when he gave these laws saw no difference between a secular world and a spiritual world there was no separation of church and state and you see that in exodus 37 through leviticus as as we look at it because god integrates the sacrifices into the laws that he's given the land and the spiritual leaders who are to be his mouthpiece to the people because he's the king he's wanted to be the king and he's his mouthpiece is supposed to be the priests that communicate for him to the people. And, and then they, then, then we're given a system, not only how are the priests are supposed to maintain their, a healthy mindset in life and a clean life, but then how they're supposed to communicate that to the people. Now, if you can envision for a moment, they're coming from an extremely pagan world. They're, hmm. Most of what we do or the expression or creation of what we think of comes out of what we already know yeah. so um the, the the basis for how we come up for how we paint a picture very few things just come out of us without the influence of something else and and god was bringing these israelites out of egypt and he wanted to take them into the promised land and he knew that if they were to create the laws of their land, they would be greatly influenced by Egypt mm. and the nation. Now, remember, they were a family going into to Egypt. They, they had no laws, but there were laws in the lands they were in. Um, they went into Egypt and they abided by the Egyptian laws that were in that land. Now they've left Egypt and all they know are Egyptian laws. I mean, when that's all you know, you tend to think that's the way it is. That's just, that's our worldview. That's our way of uh, how th something should be handled and the way yeah. it should be handled. That's why you go to different nations outside the United States and you hear their laws and you think they're absurd because they yeah. don't line up with what you were brought up in and understand, right? Yeah. So now they're coming out and God wants to create a nation that, that is under the kingship of God and his system of doing that is really laid out in the laws, some 600 laws that he gives to Israel. And it includes the priest. There's a spiritual and physical overlapped with each other. And I think people make the mistake when they go through this thinking, thank God I'm no longer under the law. Mm. I'm under grace. And essentially what you're saying is when I'm not under the law, you're saying I'm, I'm lawless. I have no law. I'm law. And God did not send his son, die on a cross, resurrected to make us lawless. He sent his son to die on a cross, resurrect us so that we would follow the law, that we would be able to follow the law. 
and and do those things because to think otherwise is to say the law wasn't for our benefit wow and 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 i think a lot of people think that the law was somehow god's way of trying to keep people out of heaven and <laughs> and so all of these laws he created was to try to keep people from going to heaven you know yeah. if you you got to be able to do these things and if not i get to send you to hell yeah. <laughs> like god's in heaven it, which we know is not the character of god because mm -hmm. it says whenever someone gives their life to christ all of heaven rejoices at the salvation of one person so we know god's character tells us that he isn't trying to send people to hell that he wasn't looking in fact after reading through this and i was praying as i was reading through it something occurred to me that i had not seen before that it really was never the law in the first place that got people saved it wasn't even following the law that that people i think people will be shocked there are people because who followed the law and in this question so this is the question i ask you who followed the law the best in that time period who do you think who it's an easy one i'm teeing the it high up priest, as the, the high priest yeah the priest right because yeah. they stayed and they the studied Levites. it they studied it and they studied it right mm -hmm. but who does jesus when he's on earth attack the most pharisees the pharisees and the people who are studying this and even the, the priests which would have been the Sadducees. So the Sadducees. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus was a Pharisee, so certainly mm -hmm. not all the Pharisees were in this yeah. place, but he Demas. went after the Pharisees that really did the law well, right? And what he was attacking them for is they had taken the law and they had made it the foundation for salvation. Mm. And it was really always faith in God the laws that were here were for the benefit of the people and mm. god wanted them to keep the laws and if they didn't keep the law there were consequences because the decisions of some would impact the consequences in the lives of other people and and you see some pretty drastic things like if they did yeah. something they were gonna die you know and, and, and all of those things you see in this you know what i when i was reading um like what I like, I, as I've read Leviticus, what comes to my mind is the severity of sin, like how bad sin actually is. Like I've noticed in reading it a lot of times, you think, you know, we tend to, we, we tend to be really soft on sin. Um, and we like, we're like, why does God do that? Why does God, you know, why is there sacrifices? Why are there all these things? Um, and it's because we're like, in comparison to how we view sin, it's like we're fish in water. It's so natural for us. Sin is so natural. It's all around us. And we have we have no reference point of what holiness is until you see in Leviticus what God requires for him to dwell with his people. And it's really had me take a look at my life. Not that I'm fearful, but have this type of reverence that it's easy to like think that, oh, I'm not really not that bad, right? Uh, but when you look at the, it really, for me, it highlights the holiness of God and how set apart he is and how broken I am without Christ. Um, as I've read this, that's something that's been, God's been working on my yeah, heart with. You know, the incredible thing is we're saved because of the mercy and what Christ did on the cross and yeah. the resurrection. And when we look at that, we can go, well, praise the Lord. It's incredible. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have to go and slaughter animals and live in a bloodbath every day, right? Yeah. But what you said is often spun so far one way that no one considers the healthy view of it, of what's a healthy view of sin. It's either um, lawless or condemnation. Right. Like it's like camps. one way or the other. They're, they go to total extremes. And to understand that God did not create the law, one, when he was creating the law in this period, it was giving laws to a nation that had no reference of what laws should be in a God nation. There had never been a God nation. There had never really been, I mean, nations are just forming and kings would have edicts and they would determine the law of the land. And the king determined what was right and what was wrong. They didn't vote on this in their city state. <laughs> 
they didn't vote on it because that's really what it was. They were cities who had king kingdoms and the king determined the, the law. So mm -hmm. for these people, when Pharaoh came in, he determined what the law was. It's just, mm -hmm. it was. So the Israelites were to say, our king is God. And God is going to give us the laws that the priests are going to lay down. So the Ten Commandments were the first reference of some of the laws that God gave the people. And what's interesting is none of those laws today, and even in the world, if you go to any unbeliever and you said to them, thou shalt not kill, that most unbelievers would agree <laughs> that Hopefully. unless they're totally lawless, that killing is not a good thing. Although, I mean, we're killing you know, you know, all kinds of the, like life, of the value of life is as we have removed God from our, our city streets and from our schools and we've removed our God from um, our children's minds, killing has gone up, crime has gone and it will continue mm -hmm. to go that way. You will not be able to legislate crime out of our culture if we remove God from the culture. It's just not going to happen. And God is saying, I don't want Egyptian laws as part of my kingdom. I don't need Pharaoh to tell me what, what the laws are. And if you think about it, if our God is the creator of the universe, his laws are above all other laws. And he created a law for his nation that involved the spiritual laws and the, the physical laws. So you see this combination of sacrifices with leprosy and um, cleanliness and washing your hands and all the other things that go. And then there's sacrifices that they do and they go to the priest because the priest is someone. And, and by the way, if you look at our, our day and age, most medical schools have come out of Christian universities. M much of our, like Harvard and Yale, there's they all have faith based backgrounds that have been the thing that have spurred on these medical yeah. fields that, that are in today. And and so the priests, they would go to the priest and they, they would determine certain things, whether they were clean or unclean, if they should be among the people. If you have leprosy and it spreads, you don't want them among the community. You needed to create something. God is basically saying the laws I'm giving you one, the laws I'm giving you, most of them are for your benefit. And even the sacrifices are for your benefit because you're coming to me as an act of faith yes. to say, I was wrong. I need mercy. Will you forgive me? And the mm -hmm. sacrifice, the death of the animal. This is also interesting. Like the you have the fellowship offering, the burnt offering, the grain offering, um, and then the sin offering. And I'm missing one. There's one more. The wave offering. Yeah. And these, these, all of these offerings, which are the burnt offering was for atonement. Mm -hmm. The grain offering was an expression of devotion to God. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, I just love God so much. I'm going to make an offering of praise. It's almost like yep. a grain offering. I'm just going to bring that to the Lord. The peace offering, which was Thanksgiving, was actually like a free will offering. It's, you know, I'm, I need to bring the tithe, but I just love God or I really believe in this. So I'm going to give a free will offering. And that happened a lot, actually, because people were bringing their gold into the temple to build all the items in the temple. And it said they had so much that it was they had to tell them to almost stop bringing it because they brought so much. Yeah. And then you had the sin offering, which was for purification and guilt for uh, restitution. But I got off the point. Let's go back to what you were saying like with sin. So so then how does sin play in the life of someone who doesn't have sin? So like like you said, um, you know, there's the, the holiness means to be set apart, apart. which means I am a, I have a I'm an assigned individual. I have an assignment by God. I am set apart from the culture in this world. I'm set apart I'm different. I'm peculiar, the Bible says. So I'm set apart. It's not actually tied to sin, which is interesting. Now, sin, Christ purchased your past, your present, and your future sin. Yep. And he was the fulfillment to all of the, the sacrifices in the past. Mm -hmm. So so when when they were doing these sacrifices, they were doing it in faith of the one who'd validate those sacrifices in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So 
if Christ owns your sin, then how can sin have an impact in your life today? Well, you got to look at what is sin. Sin is missing the mark. That's what it literally means. Misses yeah. the mark. Imagine a target. Sin is missing it. And if it's if you have an iniquity, it's like you have a bent arrow. So it takes on the image of a of someone shooting a bow and arrow. And if your arrow is bent, you'll never hit the the, the mark, ever hit the mark. Hmm. And that's where a lot of people are outside of Christ. They wow. constantly sin because their arrow is bent. They'll never. So if you say that statement, I need to get cleaned up before I come to Christ. You know where that comes from? The Old Testament. Mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed here was when you're reading this, in order to get come into the presence of God, you had to clean up. Jesus said, come to me the way you are, just as you are, and I'll clean you up. Exactly. I'll, I will be the sacrifice for he you is. so yep. you enter into the, into the presence of God. Mm -hmm. So, so when you think of sin, this like to be disobedient to what God is saying is robbing you of the blessing that God has for you because sin is essentially this disobedience. Yeah. So when people come in and say, what can I do and get away and still be a Christian? Like what are the behaviors I can get away doing and still be a believer? Technically, Everything is beneficial, but it's not profitable. In fact, there are consequences to your decisions. Technically, you could kill somebody and still be saved, but you won't. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in Christ, your heart is changed. Uh, the, the point is, is sin has lasting consequences that will affect your life. And when you disobey God, you lose out in blessing. And the other thing you do is you open a door for the enemy to come into your life and mess with you. So there's there's all kinds of things that we have to be careful of when we're dealing with this. And when you look at how how every detail, can you imagine as a kid saying, now welcome to the study of the law. We're going to start in Torah and we're going to talk about, and then you get into this. Can you imagine how overwhelming that would be for some people? Yeah, that's, there, there's a lot to it. Um, did you, um, when I was reading, because I was, we were talking to our, our, our group and uh, Bailey and I were like, man, we had, we had the same thought like we talked about at the beginning of this. Um, we don't want people to stop reading or be discouraged because of all the different laws and it's like right. so daunting. And so um, I, I was I'm trying to get give them the bird's eye view of, of how this correlates to now, like what happened. And, and the way that I see that is Jesus. Like I see Jesus and the Levitical high priest and what he did physically on the cross. And uh, Hebrews 9 um, really highlights this talking about because it's talking about uh, the sacrifices, sin offerings. It's talking about wave offerings. It's talking about burnt. There's a lot of different offerings. But what Christ did um, on the cross is revealed in, in Hebrews 9, 11. It says, but when Christ uh, appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places not by means of blood and goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of uh, defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Yeah. So when you when you think about this and how imagine Jesus comes and he everything that made the Pharisees the Pharisees were their understanding of the law right mm -hmm. and then he becomes the priest the high priest and the for this new church the the what we would call yeah. the Christian church he becomes that and and people come to Christ, but they've known the law their whole life, that yeah. there's been a way of following God their whole life. Can you imagine how difficult it was for them? Because it talks about how the Judaizers, 
came to try to deceive the newly new Christians and they tried to get yeah. the pagan and the God fearers to align with the laws of the Bible. Can you imagine how different? And then you look at those Judaizers with this eye of uh, like, are you and you know, are you yeah. crazy? Are yeah. you? But if you think about it, that's all they knew. That was yeah. their worldview. It was very, and we've been like that for like Christians in America would travel and missionaries all over the world. And we would preach the gospel through the lens of Americans. Yeah. And we took American values and we overlapped it with Christian biblical values. And we started preaching American values to people in other countries and didn't even know it because we yeah. thought American values were biblical values. That's what mm -hmm. we, they were so interspersed. You couldn't tell the difference between them. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's what happened when, when Jews who had been raised in this uh, and, and had studied this law and everything that you see here, and it certainly can give insight to a lot of things that happen at the cross because there's a, the cross and Christ are all embedded in this, right? Everything is embedded in the, the Old Testament. But they, they now come, they didn't like, where pagans approach Christ, and this is why I think the Christian church has, has in the pagan world started to explode was because pagans came with it with their pagan concepts and this was completely new and where they struggled is they tried to infuse their pagan belief system in Christianity where the mm -hmm. Jews were trying to infuse their Jewish law like the law they kept trying to bring it back to this yeah. and don't do this even in the church like there is mm -hmm. some people that think they're, they're so angry at people sinning um that that because it's just got to be the they're they're really law based yeah. um when you read through this god isn't calling us back to do these things god is letting us look at them and saying some of the law that was there is to our benefit today most certainly at the time when God gave this, it was to the extreme benefit of this newly birthed nation that was going to be going into his promised land. And God mm -hmm. was telling them, when you get there, these should be the laws of the land. These are how, this is how you need to do this act. In fact, one of the first things we talked about in Exodus 37 was the altar and the ark. Yeah. It, it, it's one of the first he creates the ark, which which is what Jesus body was. It was it inhabited the the presence of God. The ark inhabited God's presence there and they were to honor his presence. And those who honored Jesus followed Jesus. Those who did not are no longer will not be in eternity it came it comes down to jesus jesus is the cornerstone in in all yeah. of this he is the ark of the covenant in so the new good. testament church that... where the ark was held the covenant with the people of israel in the old testament church it's no longer here jesus himself was the ark of the covenant and the new testament church that's why believe in your heart he's the son of god and you shall be saved that that whole building like what we talked about last week the whole building instructions that can easily be passed by if you look at the 3d model it's just like it's literally what it describes if you read uh hebrews 9 guys if you're listening you can see the building instructions given by moses and the law and leviticus uh it's literally hebrews recalling what jesus did spiritually and redeeming uh, us, but that whole picture of what you just talked about and the Holy of Holies and what they knew as the presence of God being revealed in the person of Jesus in human flesh, it's just like, and they didn't see it. They studied the law. They knew the, the, the you know, how the, the temple structure and they knew all that, but they didn't, they missed it when he's the presence of God on earth in human flesh right in front of them missed the point. It's so crazy. Well, the other thing you have to consider is these high priests were going into the Holy of Holies while Jesus was there. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, they were so focused on the law mm -hmm. and, and the behavior of this law and behaving right and going yeah. through making sure every detail is right. In fact, Jesus even, even says you will count out each dill seed to make sure you do a tenth. Yep. What he's saying is, is you're so focused on the law, mm -hmm. he doesn't attack him for it. 
Yeah, he doesn't no. even attack the law. Like people, when, yeah. when it comes to tithing, they say, when, and, and people say, well, why do you keep bringing up tithing? Or Because it's one of the most attacked things by people who don't understand the idol of mammon. I mean, it is an idol. It's idolatry uh, to worship money. And, and um, Jesus uses this in Matthew. He says, you count out your cumin cumin to do 10. He doesn't even tell them that you should no longer. He doesn't say we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. He doesn't. He said, you should do that while you remember this. And he's, he's like, the presence of God is no longer behind the curtain. He's right here in front of you. Yeah. That, that's an exceptional thing. From the time Jesus was born, the spirit that was in the, it, they didn't even know it was gone. <laughs> they were going in the Holy of Holies and they're going into this room, not realizing it's an empty room. And why? Because the Holy Holies is now in a body and he's walking around Galilee. And mm -hmm. they didn't realize that he had left because they were so focused on this is the way God's doing it right now. Or this is what God's doing rather than that he inhabited. He was inhabiting a moving body. And yeah. so, and you know, something else I noticed, too. Uh, where God gave them everything they needed to build everything in the law. It, like all of the gold, everything, because the wood and the gold to build all this stuff, where did it come from? Yeah. If you got a million and a half to three million people wandering around, can you imagine what that had to be like? Mm -hmm. When they were, another thing I noticed in the tabernacle, when they're putting all of this together, all the altars and the brass, and who's carrying that stuff when yeah. they do like, yeah. like who's picking it up? Who's picking up the tent, not doing the tent? Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't like get an elephant and pull up a pole and the tent is there and you got a circus. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is an integrate, intricate uh, uh, tent with, mm -hmm. with a holy holies, the tent of meeting area. There's a whole perimeter in this thing. It it's is no massive in size. It, it's a big deal. And, and they knew the presence of God was there because it would ascend uh, in the day and at night. You knew the presence of God were there. And the only time they moved is when the presence of God moved. Can you imagine if we started making decisions based on what the presence of God, uh, what, we, what we heard or saw in the presence of God? It'd be amazing how often we might stand still or how often we might go and do what what God's wanting us to do, like to move with the presence of God. I think w for the first time, we really see um, th this nation saying, "Our when our king moves, then I move. move. When I, our yeah. king tells us to do something. A lot of times for people, when money tells me uh, to take a new job, I take a new job. When money tells me to move, I move. And money, which is an idol, uh, mammon, is an idol money in itself is not evil but ma'am and the spirit on it and when it starts making our decisions we're going to find ourselves in trouble um there's a question it says how do purity laws in uh leviticus 11 5 through 15 apply to modern day uh believers well the the reality is so let me go there just to look at it 11 15, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, are we talking about the birds? 11 through 15. Oh, 11 through 15. Okay. The other chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> it's, it's great to be an eagle or a hawk or a little owl, right? Because you're not yeah, going to get Yeah, you're not getting touched. Yeah. <laughs> As I was reading through that, even the insects. Did you notice, though, it said you could eat grasshoppers? So yep. John we, the we should have... They should have grasshoppers and locusts on every appetizer meal. You know, if you go to a kosher restaurant, they should serve grasshoppers and locusts. Instead of fries. A side yeah, of, can I get a side of grasshoppers? All right. Some honey, okay. Like so John the let's, let's talk about the purity laws. Um, and and there are Jews today. It's called kosher. Uh, Muslims also uh, still live by the purity laws. Um First of all, um, God knew what your what was good for your body because He created it, and there were no nutritionalists. There were no so God is literally establishing laws for them because 
they're living in a, in a in a wilderness one that most of them had never been they had received food in egypt they were eating food in egypt for many of them i'm sure they were eating food that is on this list that they shouldn't be eating so uh, you know pig may have been a, a, a i don't know for sure but part of that today um when peter when you saw Peter and the unclean food fell from on the sheet that was opened up and all the food came and and fell from the sky. Um, and he says, well, I've never eaten that. And he said, eat, you need to eat. We, it wasn't that he was eating um, not kosher food. It, the ne- When he woke up the next morning, a man shows up and says, you need to go to Cornelius' house, a god fear. Yeah. So essentially what he was saying is these, you know, you've been raised in this thinking where you, this is unclean and so do not interact with it. And then the next morning he says, I want you to go with someone who is unclean. I want you to interact with them. They're no longer unclean. The Paul later says everything is uh, uh, beneficial or or, it's permissible, permissible, but it's not beneficial. So Mm -hmm. essentially, uh, yeah, we can eat them. You're not going to hell because of what you're eating. Again, this whole clean thing. Um, we're clean because of the blood of Jesus, because of the price he paid on our life. Um, the food isn't going to make you clean or unclean. Jesus himself said, it, it's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your body that mm-hmm. makes you unclean. And so Jesus himself is saying, to us, you know, there was a time where I didn't want you eating this. It wasn't healthy for you. Don't do it because it's not healthy. And then we tie it to you're going to hell because you're eating this or you're you're not supposed to eat this. I think personally, if you look at the foods that are in here that are on that considered unclean, they are also foods that are not healthy for you. Pork is not a healthy food for you. If you ask any nutritionalist, they'll tell you pork is not a, a, a meat that's very healthy for you, as, as is cow or, you know, they ate a lot of bird. Um, their sheep is not bad for you. So, so the, the meat that, that he was saying is permissible at this time was healthier. Yeah. So I, I, you know, we, we throw all the laws in together. It's either all or it's nothing. So yeah. it's the Ten Commandments and all of the purity laws, everything. And it's just not like that. It's not how no. it works. I've heard it said when it, uh, I heard uh, that it's it, like we think clean morally. It was more like you're registered to vote or you're not registered to vote, like in terms of clean and unclean. Like I think a lot of us, we interpret it through like a morality rather than voter registration those that they can go to the temple they can do their like in, they can engage in in the worship of of and god engage we saw that the it, community yeah, yeah. Engage we saw community. that at the pool of siloam when we were in israel um that was part of the the reason john 9 or jesus uh where he heals it was at the at the pool of siloam at the bottom of the hill and then it goes all the way up when you when you're at the pool of siloam like uh, you get you get clean uh, you wash yourself, and then people go up to the temple, and so yeah. it puts it in a different perspective. When you're like, "Oh, wait," it's like I'm thinking morality, or like they were like social pariah or whatever. But it was just like basically like voter registration, like you're not verified. Uh, well, and to it, you know, some of this is even where the you know, there's a lot of things that used to be really connected to the church that we see directly from the law because of what you just said. So mm-hmm. like on Sunday, remember the statement, your Sunday best. Yeah. It, people, you, you always, if you're like me as a child, we had Saturday night bath night and, mm. and uh, everybody would get a bath on Saturday night. Why? Because you were cleaning up to go to church. Hmm. You're going Interesting. to present. God. So it was getting clean to go and you'd put on your best clothes. And usually that was the clothes you hated the most were your best. <laughs> now, I think in some ways, um, even though I get, I get it, it doesn't, I think we've lost some of that. We don't honor the, yeah. that time like we used to honor it. And we just, it's, we, we value comfort hmm. and, and the comfort of what we want and in ease of it, the more than we value the presence of God in the place, recognizing I'm going into the presence of God. We wouldn't go into the presence of a president or a governor. Yeah, it's true. We wouldn't go in the presence of 
a very important person in our world, a VIP in our world or a celebrity, the way we often try to go into the presence of God. And, 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 the, and the priests that were performing their duties incorrectly, and they were what I, the, the, the specificness of what the priests were doing was for their own sake, like because of God's holiness. And we see, right. you know, you see there are Aaron's kids that are consumed by fire. And then on top of that, what I thought was interesting, they're consumed by fire, and then the the people can mourn for them, but the Lord's priests, it says they yeah. have a special anointing, and you're to stay at the, the, the tabernacle, and you're not yeah. allowed to grieve. You have a special anointing. But it was like... Like God is not common. You're not just walking in here. You better be prepped and ready and take this with seriousness. Uh, you know what's what's before you. You don't go into the presence of God casually. Otherwise, then it was it would mean your <laughs> your death. Yeah, you know that that's another. Uh, where was that? What one was that? And Leviticus um, eight, I think. Yeah. Leviticus eight. And, and it was funny because you see nepotism starting to take place in this, where it's Aaron and his sons. Yeah. And and um, when they get consecrated, uh, they get consecrated. It was Aaron, uh, Leviticus 10. Hey, one second. Started- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the Bible up for you. So here, yeah, let me, Leviticus- I'm going to switch this over real quick. One second. I'll pull you in. Boom. Okay. There you are. All right. I had so the temple Leviticus, pulled over here. Yeah. So in Leviticus 8, they get consecrated. And, and what was interesting to me, and the part that I, I was trying to find out why this was, um, but in verse 23 of Leviticus 8, it notice it says, Moses put blood on his right earlobe and on his thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. Wait, where and the is ordinary that lasted in verse 23. And ordination lasted... Uh, uh, seven days, which was completeness, means complete. And we're doing a series in the fall called seven for a small group, and seven means complete. So that's where it comes from. But it's interesting that he anointed the right earlobe, the right thumb of his right hand, and the and the big toe of his right foot, that the blood was on, on, uh, on it, whatever he would hear from God. It covered his ears. It covered his thumb which is whatever he would carry and do with his hand and he covered his toe wherever he goes Hmm, Uh, that that there would be anointing in his hearing his doing and his going and and that we would that we would hear from god that we would do for god and we would go with god and that we cover our goings in all of that and then it goes in they begin their ministry with his sons for the first time and it said the glory of the lord came on and now it wasn't just moses and now goes over aaron but see moses respected except for the time where he he did what he was supposed to do with the rock when he was angry moses had such awe of the presence of god yeah that he respected it and aaron did as well but his sons took it lightly. And mm-hmm. if God had not struck at that point, it would just continue to go down the road where there's little respect for the presence of God. And, and when they died, what I thought was interesting, God told Aaron, you can't mourn. Like, yeah, you, I know. And that Moses, Moses comes to him and says, you need to go back to your work. The, because of what they did, they got justly, that was just. And, and, and it says that after Moses spoke to him, what he said, uh, uh, what did he say? He where, said, where is that? I'm trying to, I was trying to remember where it was. 10. 10. And okay. 10, verse 1. Yeah. And he said, Aaron's son died because they were going about it God's way with comprom- compromise Ooh. with our spin. You know, okay, God wants it to do it that way, but I'm sure he won't mind. This, I think, is better. And when God says to do something, do it his way. Don't don't try to think you can improve on it. His sons did, and they were died, and they died. And then in verse three of that, it says Aaron remained silent. When when you look at um, when you go to ten, he said, "Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all 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 of the people. I will be honored." He says, "I will." 
So when he, when he says that, it's like, I am, I'm going to be honored. I'm God. I'm God. I'm the creator. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. I'm your father, but I'm also God. Yeah. And said that after he said that, Aaron, because he knew, Aaron knew he was brokenhearted, he was grieving, but he remained silent. And, uh, and then his other two sons are, 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 are brought into this, um, or cousins are brought into this. So, so Aaron, I'm sure, is not happy with God in this. Oh, part. yeah. Whew. But in the same respect, Aaron knows he doesn't have an argument against God because his yeah. son didn't take it lightly. It was and, just. And I, yes, and it was judged, and he knew it would be. And I think maybe Aaron might have had a conversation with his sons even to identify the fact that they were taking it too lightly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. When you, when I read stuff like that, it's not, I, it's not, it doesn't have like a twisted perspective on how I view God, but it is also the severity of like, we don't understand like the immensity of God or, or have that, that I don't, I don't really know if we, if we quite have that reverence. And when you read in Leviticus, you're just like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah, this is disobedience now is just like, well, like whatever, like, you know, there's grace for that. Like I remember thinking as a kid where I knew what I was doing was wrong and I figured, well, I'll just be like all the people at church and have a testimony later, but I want to do now what I want to do, like, and live in defiance. It's like, man, you, you don't, you better come correct. This was a little bit different and what their, their role was as, as being Levitical priests and knowing better. But, um, it is, it is interesting. It gives you a picture of, of, um, really reverence for God and his immensity. And what disobedience means. You got to recognize, like in all of this, he he established something for a reason. One, that you you can't provide your own righteousness. Um, When when someone says, I'm not under the law, Mm -hmm. um, I'm under grace. Well, when you were a two-year-old baby, you were going to hell. When you were two days old, one day old, two hours old, you were born a sinner. You didn't break the law. You were born a sinner. You were born separated from God. So, so Christ, the only way to salvation is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, making a decision to follow Christ, right? And in the same way, the only way you can be saved is to follow Christ. The only way you can lose that is if you walk away and say, I don't believe. I never did believe. I just don't think there's one door in, one door out. That needs to be clear. But the reality is we, we make the mistake of thinking that there are laws in, in the Bible that, that we no longer, like when we look at the whole law, we no longer need to do that. We no longer need to follow the Ten Commandments. We no longer need to do any of it. That's lawlessness. And the Jesus said very clearly in the New Testament, I think we brought this up last week, if, if you commit adultery with a woman, that's adultery. It, but I say to you, if you look upon a woman lustfully, it's as though you committed adultery. Yeah. That if you say, I'm under grace, your standard is higher because now it's Christ giving you the ability to, uh, with, to, to go by that standard. Like grace, if you're under grace, it gives you the ability to do greater than the law. Yeah, more than what the law and and so we don't live guilt and shame and condemnation, but we also uh, but we also don't uh, just throw everything to the wind mm-hmm. and not understand that God has a, God loves people and he will destroy anything that is trying to destroy the object of his love. Well, there is a separation. So like the whole two. When I when I read this, it's it really it really makes us confront the issue of sin. So sacrifices were a very public thing, and and also the the exchange that was made. There is a I was looking into um, where they would lay hands on their sin offering, and it wasn't the the word says laying on of hands, but really it's like, like literally pressing your weight on the bull that there is a transfer that's being made between your guilt onto the bull, which is to be sacrificed. There is a transfer and it's the first time where you see, you, you, you know, 
where sin, the result of sin is death, but God's mercy is that he takes, he, he allows a replacement to be made, which is why you see where some people will say the brutality of, you know, animal sacrifice. Well, to say that animal sacrifice is brutal, would you, how would you compare the surrounding tribes that were doing human sacrifice? To say that animal sacrifice is barbaric is to say that meat is wrong because this is how they would have eaten their meat anyway. That statement to, in and of butcher. itself said, yeah, but that statement in and of itself that animal sacrifice is wrong is saying that uh, you're God. Yeah, well, they yeah, that's a whole other issue. But yeah, in comparison to the day, it was, it was you know, you, you would probably not, you'd take you a couple of days to eat meat if you went to a slaughterhouse. Like this is how they would have, uh, eaten meat and, and the, the ritual and what they were doing was sacrifice. The only difference is they would give it to God in their place of sin that would have produced death for them, that right. brought an animal that would be their right. replacement. It, it really yeah. identifies and makes us confront sin that, you know, I think now with affirming, affirming sin, we don't see Jesus as a savior. We see him as an obstacle to keep me from doing what I want. We associate our sin with our identity and Leviticus, I think it, you know, what I notice, it really makes you confront it and to see the distinction between God killing sin, God separating the sinner and the object of his love and giving us a choice to be set free from that and not be yeah, distinguished but, that yes, our identity. But I think you, you can't like that. None of those sacrifices had the power to set those people free. No. What you're saying is true for sure, but. It was Christ when he went and set those people free. They all went to Sheol, which would yeah. have been a, the abiding place of the dead. That's where we see the story of Abraham and Lazarus. So they would have went there with the hope that the Messiah, who was going to die and be the ultimate sacrifice, and that's what he did. He went and set them free and brought them back. But here's a great question. So if, if we were saved by the law and the sacrifices and all of those things, then what about those who went before the law? What about Joseph? What about the sons of Jacob? What about all of the children, grandchildren of Jacob? What about Isaac and Sarah? What about all the God fears that came from Adam and Eve that we know nothing about because they're not recorded in the narrative of the Bible? What about all of them? Were there laws? I think where we can lose sight of this by the laws in here we get just so connected to it uh that we think okay i've done all of my things like the pharisees did you count out the cumin seeds and the dill seeds and 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 i'm only going to do what he's told me to do in the law you mm -hmm. lose sight that disobedience is sin period yeah. the best yeah. way to describe what sin is is just plain disobedience not doing what god told us to do mm -hmm. and jesus saw people trying to be obedient to God in the law, and yet he said, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. I, I will become the sacrifice. Well, here's my question. So what do you think about this? So when I was, because I had that thought, um, like with sacrifices and stuff, and I think when I see that now, like in Leviticus, and when I read it in context of a nation, that's to be, it's literally they're performing sacrifices so they'll be worthy for to be God's inheritance like God chose this people and the sacrifices was a covenant like they felt it was a it, that's why they boast in the law because it's like this is what makes me special like God has chosen us that's what later became a stumbling block for them but what I've I've noticed and what my question is and what you had brought up earlier about what about Jacob what about these other people um, what I have noticed in, in the giving of the law, it was so that God would dwell with them. Correct or not correct? We think, I think I used to think like salvation in terms of salvation, but what, like what I'm starting to notice, it was that God's presence would be with them, that they would be worthy to be considered his inheritance, a set apart yeah, well, people. Were, he would dwell with in, them. In many place, they became like an Ark of the Covenant. They were supposed yeah. to be a nation of covenant. Yeah. to the rest of the world where God's presence would be upon them for sure. But yeah. I think I think one of the things that you got to keep in mind there's so many things you got to remember and when it's it, it's thousands of years ago it's hard to keep in mind. There were other god fears out there. Yeah. There were people well, that God saying, yeah. was speaking to that weren't mm -hmm. living under the law that didn't 
necessarily have a body. And so we assume because they didn't have the law, they couldn't have been believers. They couldn't have been God fearers or followers. And, and it will be interesting when we get to heaven to see the ancients that are in heaven that were not part of Israel. And I think because I was brought up in this. I was brought up in a church. Uh, my dad was in ministry. My grandfather was ministry. My great-grandfather got saved um, in both yeah. sides. I have all of it, right? <laughs> so when I am being brought up in Sunday school and all of those things, reason I'm bringing it all up, when you're brought up into that, you tend to think the only people who are serving God at that day are only the people mentioned in this book. Yeah. That, that there couldn't be any well, other God outside of this. So that's what I'm, I'm asking. Is it, um, is it about salvation, the, sa the sacrifices? Is it about salvations? Or it's a, is it about the people of Israel being a chosen priesthood is to be a remnant to bring yeah. about redemption? But it's more so, it, it really talks about consecration, and so God's presence would dwell there. That was what Moses said had set them apart from the rest of right. the nations that right. we, had, I, we had talked I think, about. I think they that God's idea for them was Jesus was coming through them. So they yeah. were the royal priesthood. They were the yeah. family of Christ, the king, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know that God's presence wouldn't dwell with other people. I don't. I, I don't even, I think personally that God's presence, the Holy Spirit, would dwell with people in Israel uh, that weren't even priests. Um, people like uh, when Hannah sought the Lord, they weren't priests. Uh, Boaz. No, I, I think there was a sense of God's presence in, in them as well. God's people, of course, is what you're saying. I know what yeah. you're saying, but, yeah. but even... The people look to the priest as the place where God's they presence. Went they went before him. He yeah. himself as the nation where God's presence. They did be. it on behalf of the people. They they were the ones that cleansed the people. That's why they were going into the holy of holies on behalf of the people, offering um, sacrifices. So I'm wondering. Right. That's my question. Was it a salvation thing? Because then, what about the rest of the world? Or was it a dwelling thing, where God's this would allow God's presence to dwell with him, yeah. and he would be their God. He would be their king. Because we have no narrative of people outside of this. Yeah. It, that I, it may be an impossible thing of what it was like on the outside of yeah. Israel. But for sure, in Israel, you needed to create sacrifice. I mean, Leviticus makes it clear. This It was both. It was salvation. It was a prophetic faith move of the people when i committed a, when i made a sacrifice to god that sacrifice was saying i i'm coming bringing mm -hmm. these things i've done now i'm i'm bringing it to you and yeah. and not repenting but basically trying to make a restitution for what i did with you lord yeah. and and so that his presence would continue to abide with you this is, um, I want to pull up a picture of this. I had this ready, but this is, so the set, the sacrifices and stuff. I just think this is so interesting. I was, uh, I love the 3d model, but these are just pictures because this is a representation of what the priests did. Um, but this is also what Jesus did. Let me yeah. see if I can, um, here, I'm going to bring this over here. Well, and the so temple took on a lot of similarities to the tent of meeting. So you see that where that that curtain what happened when jesus was crucified in the temple well so uh in the temple it would have been a little different than that in the tent of meeting but in the temple there was the a curtain. the curtain tore in half obviously mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when he died he, he basically said you know the presence the god which has only been held to some is now open to everyone but mm -hmm. this curtain was massive it Huge. didn't accidentally tear. It had yeah. gold brands in it. It yeah. had gold, gold thread mm -hmm. uh, holding. It was thick. It was a yeah. very thick curtain. Uh, yeah. It would would be like the if you remember way back in the day when the power team would rip apart phone books. And some of you are wondering, what's a phone book? Um, <laughs> the, yeah. There were these books in cities, you know, these thick five, six inches phone books that that they would tear at the binding, they would tear them in half. And 
this would be it just ripped yeah at, at at no one was up there tearing it nobody had a knife it just ripped and the holy of holies was open to the to everyone and jesus poured out his blood and he he entered it talks that what i love about leviticus and what you know i think people can um you know look for uh when they read it if you're really struggling to see how it can be how can how alex can this be interesting to me this has nothing to do with me it's a lot of weird like what do you want me to do you want me to go to petco and and sacrifice a guinea pig um like this how how does this apply to me and what's so interesting is literally hebrews 9 describes uh jesus as being the high priest and what he did that the tabernacle was uh, a shadow of what what reality was in the spiritual and Jesus went to the heavenly places and and offered his own blood in the presence of God on our behalf Jesus is our high priest that went before us um, which is such a cool thought so when you see the Levitical priests and their duties um, to uh, consecrate the Israelites before God it's so interesting to see that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law like pastor like you were saying pastor he came to fulfill it. Everything, the Levitical priests and everything that had been set in place from Moses, he fulfilled it and now acts as our high priest that when we sin, there is grace, um, but gives us the ability to fulfill the law. It's yeah. interesting. And, yeah, and when you think of, when you think of, when you read through this, people say, well, I don't understand what all, well, when you read through the entirety of the Bible, mm-hmm. this sets a stage for when you're reading something later, mm-hmm. you're able just by even if you graze through it, just getting an understanding of it. Then when it talks about sacrifices before, then when it talks about when you looked up the diagrams that we just looked at, as you're reading the rest of the Bible, it it kind of takes away the mysticism or the 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 not knowing of what that is. It kind of gives you an idea of what they're doing and how much yeah. how. Intense it is the importance of it the detail of it so that when you read other things this will become more valuable you don't know it while you're reading it until later uh, mm-hmm. that you're gonna find that and and by the way a lot of this was stuff that was happening in the pagan world a lot of sacrifices not like the first time they had ever yeah. seen sacrifices Abraham was making sacrifices in places where they would go they would form an altar and yeah. they would make a sacrifice to God and and then J- Isaac would do that and Jacob Noah did that did. Made sacrifices Noah made, right made a sacrifice to God and they put an animal on it and they made a sacrifice to the Lord so this is stuff that was happening not only in Noah's day but because Noah did it his sons I'm sure did it and then as mm-hmm. they're giving birth and pagan cultures are formed away That's from tough. that the sacri- there were things that were passed on. One of them is altar, uh, uh, sacrificing on altars to whatever god they were worshiping as it got further away from them. And one other thing that I thought was really interesting when you're looking at this, uh, Leviticus chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, and you'll think it's funny, I think. I did when I saw it. Um, you know, especially for people that like salt. Um, God likes to have salt on his offerings. So you got to make sure you salt his food. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're someone who likes salt on your food, I just wanted to let you know, you have the spirit of God that's living upon you because God likes his salt. Look look at it. In fact, uh, 12 and 13, look what it says 13. there. It goes... Uh, you may bring them to the Lord as an offering of the first fruits, which is a tithe, but they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Uh, and do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offering. Add salt to all your offerings. <laughs> uh, which, I thought, which, uh, which is kind of a funny thing. Add salt to your offerings. God says that we are to be salt. Yeah, and and we are the salt of the world, and if we lose our saltiness, we would be thrown out. Mm-hmm. And so you can, it doesn't necessarily. It's not that it's necessarily saying that, but you could say from that yeah. that when you give your offering, you're giving kind of yourself. Put yourself into the offering. It's not just the offering, but but just season it with your heart, with your desire, with a little bit of you. 
Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, I love how, you know, when you had talked about when you read these things, like those connections that we keep making. Um, I, well, we were talking to our small group last night. <clears throat> we were talking about Leviticus and we have a lot of um, like newer believers and we literally just broke it down and then we're making comparisons and we're telling people, well, why, why do you think Jesus died? And they're like, well, I don't like, I don't really know. Like I believe in him um, because he revealed himself to me, but like what was, what really happened? And so we started breaking down Leviticus and they're like, honestly, I was really dreading going through this, but now that I have like an understanding, like I'm excited to keep reading this Bible in a year because I'm excited to have these like, where I can make these connections like that one day where, where you read this and you can look forward to be like, oh, that's the same. But when the apostles were preaching and the disciples were preaching, this was not written. <laughs> like the New Testament, it wasn't, those books weren't written. They were referring and, and trying to tell their brothers, the Israelites, hey, this is the fulfillment in Jesus and this is why. And so when you guys read this, um, it, it, it's interesting that this is what they would have preached. This is what they would have brought to memory. And you see that when you look in, in the New Testament, there are a lot of excerpts from the Old Testament uh, showcasing why Jesus is the Son of God and proving who he is. And you've, you've well, mentioned that, Pastor, too. Yeah, and, and the thing to keep in mind in that, too, is somebody asked, well, why did Jesus do this? And why, when we were in Israel, the, the tour guide, the Jewish tour yeah. guide, Christian tour guide, Jewish, said, why did Jesus do this? And why did Jesus do that? And why did Jesus... And, and I was getting a little irritated because she was saying the reason Jesus did it was because it was prescribed earlier on in the law. No, 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 no. <laughs> Unless we believe that we don't live in a linear time period, which if you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible, you know yeah. we don't, that God yeah. is before time, he's after time, he's during time. That yeah. all of that was that was prescribed back then, God literally shaped all of that around what would take place at the death and and, and resurrect crucifixion and resurrection of Christ that all of those all of those sacrifices were prescribed that way and you see how it was in the past and that if if there is a beginning of time i would say it happened at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and from that point the old testament the history and everything that God laid out was brought to that point, And then we've been living from that point of that. And I, if I had to choose, I'm glad we're living in this side of time instead of the other side of time, because I don't know if I would last. Yeah, it, it would be, you know, it was, yeah, it's just a different. So it's a lot easier to be a believer in this side of time than it was yeah. to be one before time. Yeah, God knew. God it's knew. crazy. The people are living in faith that a Messiah is coming, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. He hasn't come. He's come. We're looking back and we're struggling to believe whether it's true. We're trying to believe, trying to prove history didn't happen. Like yeah. it was kidding me. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, he lived, he died. The logic, the science of logic yeah. says that's what, that's what physics is really. It's the science of logic. And, and I don't understand this when, when, um, Christians, sit there and say you they believe the lie that you have to check your brain at the door and no science actually again and again proves uh all of this archaeology proves that christ lived and yeah. and the claims of what he made are there so um you really should not check your your head at the door yeah there's there's a lot of proof to what we um so yeah. Is there any closing, closing no. thoughts on Leviticus? I, I think is, it really set the stage for their reading. Yeah. Um, so I want to encourage people, just keep going through it. When we get into numbers, you're going to get back more in that storyline of things. You're going to mm -hmm. get back into the part where it becomes a little easier to read. I, I know the repetitiveness of it. Yeah. Uh, is a challenge when you go through it is for anybody unless you're a systems person you like detailed and you're very mm -hmm. you know you're a tax lawyer maybe you love that type of stuff um, yeah. for most people reading through it it's like it doesn't apply to me so yeah why, why am I, I care this? right yeah. but it does apply it's gonna give you a framework for later on and you're gonna be able to see that so yeah 
Well, guys, um, keep going. We believe in you. You can uh, do it. You can do it. It's week six. We got quite a bit of weeks left. What do we got? Well, we're in 40. We, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's an exciting adventure. Yeah, it is. It'll be, it'll be super fun. Uh, imagine the day where we're in Matthew. We finally reach the Gospels. It'd be crazy. December 31st. You keep with us. You will have read the entire book of the Bible. And a lot when, of you, when I know we're this in, is your first time. And when we're in Matthew, it's going to be another football season. And yeah. <laughs> we'll be almost Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. That. Oh, wow. That is weird to put in perspective like that. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So God bless you guys. I hope this blessed you. I hope uh, that you would uh, ask questions if it you, you know you're listening to this back right now, whether you're listening on podcast or you're watching back on YouTube. Uh, you can email uh, me or drop a comment um, to let us know what you have questions about in next week's reading in week seven, and we would be happy. Uh, to go over that to assist you in your Bible reading plan. You can email me at pastoralex at bethelsrock.org, and me and Pastor James will be sure uh, to cover it in our next live stream. Uh, Tune in next week, Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time.